many of you have ever prayed and you felt like your prayer wasn't answered? Okay, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good majority. Today we're going to talk about ask, seek, knock, answered prayer. We're going to talk about how to have your prayers answered. Woo! You guys excited about that? Yeah. We're going to talk about the reality of what Jesus had to say about it. This is a big deal to Jesus. Jesus talks about this a lot. He talked about that whole thing, remember, a few weeks back. We're, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he talked about the, the Our Father, some people call it, or the Lord's Prayer. And it, and it gives you a pattern of how to pray, kind of what order to pray, and what kind of things to pray. Now he's coming back again, and he's talking about the significance of prayer It's a really big deal to him. So let's start. Let's read this together out loud. Matthew 7, starting with verse 7. You ready? Go. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So we're gonna, today we're going to talk about the big ask. A-S-K. Ask. Seek, knock. We're going to talk about what prayer is. We're going to talk about certain things that can potentially hinder our prayers. And we're going to talk about the good gifts that our Heavenly Father wants to give us. Starting in verse 7 again, keep on asking. You've probably heard in the past, ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be... This translation, this is the New Living Translation, this is actually a closer translation because this is talking about doing something on an ongoing basis. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's not like a one and done thing. It's not like, well, I prayed for that and it didn't happen, so obviously that's all I need to do. This is a constantly asking and seeking and knocking. It says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. You know, prayer says more about our relationship with the Lord than almost anything else. The way that we approach God in prayer says so much about us. It doesn't say a whole lot about God. It says a lot about us and how we come into his presence. And a lot of times... If anybody mentions the word prayer, what's your immediate response? Anybody? Guilt. Guilt. We feel guilty because we don't pray enough. Most people feel like they don't pray enough. People don't pray either because they don't feel worthy to pray or they have fear about praying coming into God's presence. Or sometimes they, they just don't make it a priority. They don't, they don't make time for it. Or there's a possibility that there's something within us that is yearning to be in the presence of the Lord and we just 
can't get enough. You can be at all different levels and all different phases, but this is a, a condemnation-free zone. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you feel like you're, you don't pray enough, I'm, I'm just here to encourage you. I want to teach you how to pray the way Jesus taught to, us to pray so that you don't have to feel guilty anymore. You don't have to feel like, oh, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. I don't have time to pray. You do have time to pray. Do you have time to take a shower? Do you have time to drive in your car? Do you have time to stand in line at the coffee shop? All of these times, you can be praying during these times. Prayer doesn't have to be just only, you know, on your knees or flat on your face or whatever. You can pray. The Bible calls us to pray without ceasing. And the, the thing is that a lot of times we feel guilty, so we don't pray. We just don't. We just don't talk to God. But how do you see the Lord? What is your view of God? If you see God as an absent, unavailable dad... How ready are you going to be to go and pray? Or if you see God as an angry tyrant, are you going to want to go pray? Or even if maybe your earthly dad was kind of a pushover, and so you kind of see God as a pushover, like the, what did they call that? The slot machine in the sky? And you get demanding or you get entitled if God doesn't give you what you want. Or maybe you see him as a loving dad. And the last way is the way that he's asking us to see him. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But you know, the mood of a parent often determines whether a child will go and ask their parents. You notice how if the kids will come home and they'll see that maybe... How many of you were ever children at one, one point or another? So kids come home and they're like, they want to ask something. They check to see who's in a better mood. Oh, mom's in a good mood today. I'm going to ask her. Or, oh, I'm going to go ask dad. Mom's in a bad mood. Right? It depends on what the, parent, what the parent's mood is that the child kind of waits to see. Should I ask? Now's not a good time. I don't think I should ask right now. And, and God wants us to always be asking and always seeking and always knocking. God is never changing. He's not capricious. You know that the verse up there, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one who's saying, please come and ask, come and seek, come and knock. He's not telling us, uh, you better wait and see, get your act cleaned up first before you ask me for anything. Or he's not saying, you know, I might not be in a good mood, so you can't come to me. No, he's saying, come to me always, all the time, pray without ceasing. Pray in the shower, pray in your car, turn the radio off and pray. Pray out loud. If you don't know what to pray, pray the Bible. Pray Bible verses, not while you're driving. Don't do that. But if you're just if you're at home and, and you don't know what to pray, pray the Bible. Because then you're guaranteed to be praying God's will. I mean, unless you pray one of those prayers in the Old Testament, like, you know. God deal with them, be it ever so severely. I don't know that that's necessarily applicable. But pray the word. Pray. Here's one for you. And I tell, I tell everybody this because this is something that is so significant in my life. Pray Psalm 112 over your family, over your spouse, over your home, over yourself. Got that? Psalm 112. 
That's such an amazing promise. Just pray that. Pray it over your friends. It's an amazing promise. Here we, Jesus is telling us to ask. The original word here means to beg. It really means to implore, to cry out, and to ask. And in the process of doing this, continually asking and going before the Lord, our hearts will be changed. We will know him better. We will know him more. Jeremiah 33.3, this is such an amazing promise. He says, ask me, I will tell you remarkable secrets you don't, that you don't know about things to come. And he says to seek. Remember we talked about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seeking first. This is not saying like kind of look around a little bit. This is like a determined focus. Remember I told this story about the little four-year-old girl that got lost at Disneyland and that became our sole purpose and our sole focus. This is the same word that Jesus is asking us. It's zeteo. It's a Greek word, and it means put all of your attention and your focus on seeking. And it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And oftentimes when people want to, they want to go into God's presence and they, and they, they want, just want stuff. They just want stuff for themselves. And it would appear based on this scripture, on this passage, that God's saying, yeah, you can just come in and ask whatever you want, and I'll just give it to you. But think about this. That puts God in the position of being our subservient. If we can just come in and demand whatever we want, think about a a good parent. If the child says, I want to eat donuts and french fries every single day. Is a good parent going to allow that? Be honest. Is a good parent going to allow that? Oh, we got some jokesters over there. If they share. You know, no good parent, no offense if you're not nutritionally uh, sound, but you want to feed your children nutritious things. If your child says, I want to run out into the middle of traffic, is a good parent going to allow their child to run out into the middle of traffic? Is that a good parent? Or the kid says, I don't feel like sleeping, and they're five. I want to stay up all night. Is is a good parent going to say, sure, whatever you want? No. So when we're seeking, diligently seeking, God begins to change the way that we pray. He begins to change the things we ask for because we come to know him more. Because when we seek him, it says that we will find him. And I've actually even heard pastors say that it isn't possible for us to hear God's voice. That the Bible is the only way that we can hear from God. And my question is, how do you have a relationship with someone who doesn't ever talk to you? I mean, if, if he's our heavenly father, doesn't that imply that we will have a relationship where we communicate one to another? And when we seek him, that means that we will get to know him, where we will come to understand him and understand his ways and know what he's like. Because you know, the more you talk to somebody the more you begin to understand how they are. Am I right? 
you don't, you don't get to know somebody if you just envision that they're a certain way. People will sometimes come up to me and start to tell me how I am. And I'm thinking, you really don't know me very well. Like they'll say things like I'm super organized or something. No, nobody's ever said that. But, you know, people will say stuff about me and I'll just be like, they don't know me. But, you know, my friends that have known me for a long, long, long time, they know what I'm like. Because we've talked, we've communicated, and it's the same thing. That's what it's talking about, seeking, when we seek the Lord. Not all of our prayers are going to be answered the way we want them to be answered. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he prayed, Lord, if there's any way you could take this away from me, I would really appreciate that. (laughs) He says, but not my will, but your will be done. And the more that we're in relationship with the Lord, the more that we come to understand him and his ways, the more we will begin to pray exactly his will. You know, rather than praying for, what is God's will for my life? You should pray, God, what is your will? Overall. Seek first the kingdom, the will of God, and his righteousness And all these things will be added. As you seek the kingdom of God, as you seek God's will, he will begin to show you what his will is for you as an individual. Does that make sense? Okay. But the more you seek him and the more you draw near to God, the more you will know him and the more you will understand him. Remember it says in Romans 12 that as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, that we will know his good, acceptable, and perfect will. The the way that I remember that, good, acceptable, perfect, is gap. Good, acceptable, perfect will. The way to know him is to offer ourselves completely. You know, we sang that song, I offer myself completely to you. And and the Lord spoke a word through Susie saying, there are those of us who are holding back little parts of our heart. We're not offering ourselves completely. And the Lord's saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. And you know, if you could imagine that we are considered the bride of Christ, that means he is absolutely enraptured with us. It even says that in in Psalm 145. He's enraptured by our beauty, by who we are. He looks on us with so much love and affection. You know, they say that when men look in the mirror, they only see their good attributes, but when women look in the mirror, they only see their flaws. Is this true? Men, is that true? Yeah, okay. Wives, women. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same thing with us. When we look at ourselves, we only see how we don't measure up and we're not good enough and how could God love us. But when he looks at us, all he sees us is through his eyes of love. He doesn't sit and, oh, man, when is she going to clean up her act? I'll just be over here standing far off. No, he's like, I want to draw near. So don't ever let your view of yourself keep you from asking and seeking and finally from knocking. And this is talking about a persistence that you're... How many of you have ever had uh, toddlers? (laughs) Why is it that every time you go into the shower... That's when they need something, like the house is burning down or something. Every single time, mom, mommy, mommy. And you're like, I'm just trying to take a shower. Give me three minutes. 
right? But it's that same persistence that that toddler, mommy, mommy, they're focused, right? They're asking, they're seeking, and they are persisting, (laughs) right? God is calling us to be like those little trusting little toddlers that we don't stop knocking until we hear from him. We don't stop, stop asking and seeking and knocking until he says, go away, which he won't ever say. The thing that I've, that I've really learned through my studies is that no prayer is ever wasted. God does not waste one single prayer. And when we persist and we keep knocking, it shows God, first of all, actually it shows us that we really want this, that this is really something important to us. Because if it's something that's not a big deal, you're probably not going to keep asking But there are certain things you have to contend for in your life. Things you have to contend for are souls, people that don't know the Lord, for your marriage, for your parents, for your children. There are certain things you should keep knocking, keep asking, keep praying to continually pray. It says in Luke 11, 5, it says, then teaching them more about prayer, he, Jesus, used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, that would, that's my impersonation of Iris family. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Your shameless persistence. God is never going to get sick of hearing from you. So just erase that notion from your mind. God is never going to be, oh my gosh, it's her again. She's asking for her child. That is not God's attitude. Every time when we come into his presence, he's so excited to see us. He is so excited to see you. Turn to your neighbor and say, even you. (laughs) There are those things that, that we need to contend for and also pray with someone else who really knows the Lord, pray together, because what does it say in the Bible? Where two or more are gathered in his name, what? He will be in the midst of them. And I want to tell you, that is the importance of coming to church. I used to not talk about coming to church, but the significance is in the Bible, it says, I was glad when they, when they said to me, let us come into the house of the Lord. And it says, I will worship the Lord with the assembly, with the great assembly. There is something supernatural that happens when we're with other believers. There is a spiritual dynamic. And I tell you, there is the manifest presence of God. If you have never experienced it, contend for this. Ask and seek and knock. There is a tangible presence of God. And it is life-changing. It is transformative. There was a man who told me before first service that he had an encounter with God yesterday in the woods. 
like this dramatic encounter. And it, he said he, he fell to his knees and he just wept. And he said, I'm changed. I sensed the presence of the Lord and I am different. And I'm saying, ask and seek and knock. Say, God, I want to know your presence because the promises of the Bible say in his presence is fullness of joy. It says in the presence of the Lord, we will be set free. Why wouldn't we want to go into the presence of the Lord? Why would we not want to be with him? And it's not this legalistic thing. You know, there are some days that I'll roll out of bed and get on my knees and pray next to my bed. But there are some days where I will go make myself a cup of coffee and I'll just go sit in the recliner and I'll just talk to him and just sit and wait and listen. There have actually been times where I felt like the Lord said, I don't even want you to bring the Bible with you, which sounds like heresy, I know. But I just feel like it keeps me so focused on just talking with him, just letting him speak to me and transform me. And that's ultimately what this passage is talking about. Just keep going into his presence. Keep hanging out with him. He wants to be with you. He enjoys you. It says he delights in you. He dances over you. He sings over you. Because he loves you so much. So don't believe those lies. Don't believe the lie that say that you're not good enough or you've done too much or you're terrible. He already knows all that. He already knows all that. And yet, that's what's so amazing about grace. Because grace does not make sense. That's why we can never grow tired of his grace. Oh, back to what I was saying. Pray with two or more, two or more people that agree. There's something so powerful about praying with others. And if someone asks you to pray for them, just pray right then. Don't wait. Don't say, oh, I'll pray for you later. It's like, Someone says, hey, would you please pray for my grandma? Sure, let's pray right now. I don't know about those of you. I mean, some of you are more probably mentally astute, but I just forget. You know, someone will ask me to pray and I'll sincerely say, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. But then I walk away and I forget. And then the next time I see him, I'm like, oh, Lord, please bless him. Hey, I prayed for you. (laughs) No, that's kind of deceptive. (laughs) But but do it. Just pray right away. It's not, a, it's, it's not because I'm really spiritual that I pray right away. It's because I'm really forgetful. So I usually like to pray right away when people, you know, tell me a situation. And, the, and, and Jesus is inviting us to come to this awesome, incredible banquet. When he's, when he's saying these things, when he's inviting us, he has this massive banquet. And we are satisfied with just going through some drive-through, some dollar menu. And he said, no, I have so much for you. Remember the remarkable secrets? I want in on that. I want to know his remarkable secrets. So my question is, when do our prayers not work? Is it... Ever seems when there are prayers that don't work. It says in Matthew 7, 8, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is this true? 
Is this true? It's in the Bible, so that's your hint. (laughs) This is true. But we answer that it's true because we know that here, but our history kind of indicates something else, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like there are a lot of prayers that have gone unanswered in our lives? Things we've prayed earnestly about and we haven't seen the answer? There are certain things that God says, yes. Certain things God says, no. And certain things God says, not now or wait. But God wants to do something in us, in teaching us and training us and instructing us. And Dallas Willard says, if after some serious effort you find that this is not really working for you, stand back and reflect on what part of what you are seeking is not really wanted and what part of you does not want God's way. Why don't our prayers work? Well, one reason is our motives might be wrong. James 4 says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Kind of seems like a no-brainer, right? And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You, you want only what will give you pleasure. You know, right after I came to the Lord, I'll tell you a little story. There was a guy in my life, and his name was Sven, and he was from Sweden, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I want to marry him. Will you please let me marry him? Okay, now, a little backstory. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the Lord. And the Bible clearly says, do not be unequally yoked with non-believers. Don't, don't date them. Don't marry them. Don't go into business with them. So I was praying something that I earnestly wanted, but was that God's will for my life? No, you can't pray against something that God clearly says is wrong and ask him to make the exception for you. It doesn't work that way. Do you remember Bruce Almighty? The movie Bruce Almighty? Remember, he, uh, he, said yes to every prayer, every prayer request. Yes, 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 yes. And then remember, it got got really crazy and the whole world, I don't know if it blew up or something, something like that. But do you remember? That was, it was crazy. But Bruce didn't have infinite wisdom, but he did have infinite power. The two of those have to always go together. You can't have infinite power if you don't have infinite wisdom. And that's why we don't want God to kowtow to our prayers. We don't want God to be our little puppet, that he has to do whatever we ask him to do because we don't get the big picture. He is sovereign and he sees all of it, all at the same time. We see one frame at a time. We're finite. He is infinite. And everything that he gives us is good, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But receive doesn't necessarily mean get my way. It says that when we ask, we will receive. You will receive, but it might not necessarily be if there's a sinful request or if you don't have enough faith. Mark eleven twenty four says, I tell you, you can pray for... Oh, wait, did I skip one? No. It says, if you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. 
It's saying that you should believe, that when you ask God, you should believe if it doesn't go counter to the, to the Bible, what the Bible says. And it says in James 1.6, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. It is so crucial for us to believe that God is good and to trust and that when we ask him, we believe that he longs to give us good things, as it says further on in this passage. But I want to warn you, don't put your faith in your faith. Don't think that it's, it's all contingent upon how much you believe. I can give you an example. Uh, years ago in California, there was a family in our church, and they had a, a little 17-month-old. And she was just playing in the living room, and she turned, did a somersault, and she went into a coma, and 12 hours later, she died of liver cancer. 17 months old. And we, during those 12 hours while she was in the intensive care, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And we prayed prayers that we thought were right. We prayed things like, Lord, heal her and use her life as a testimony for your glory. Let this be part of her story, Lord. Let this be, let this be something that glorifies your name. And then she died. How does that even make sense? Was what we prayed wicked? No. But to us, 17 months is, is a life that's way too short. But in light of eternity, God knew that it was time for, her name was Adela, which means star. It was time for Adela to go back home. And then there was another situation in this church. Some of you may remember when uh, 12-year-old Rachel Kligman was hit by a car. And we fasted and prayed and we worshipped over her and we cried out and cried out and cried out. And two weeks later, she died. And we just... We couldn't understand why God didn't answer our prayer. And we actually even had people leave our church because they said it was my fault and Eric's fault because we didn't have enough faith. But we couldn't put our faith in our faith. It says in James, you put your hope and your faith in God alone. And that even when, I remember you guys got together, you you prayed and worshipped the night when Eric was in the hospital. And you know, while you were praying and while you were crying out for God to heal him, the Lord was speaking to me, saying to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I knew at that moment that it was God's will to take him. So does that mean that what you prayed was wrong? No. The Bible says we should ask and pray that someone's healed, but to accept God's will and to put our faith in him and not in our own faith. Another thing that can keep us from, from seeing our prayers answered, in Psalm 34 it says, does, 
Does anyone want to live a life that's long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But, here's, here's the big but. Wait, I just said that. Um, one T. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And it says in Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So we can hinder our prayers. Also, how are you treating your spouse? It says in 1 Peter 3, which all men love this passage, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It's, there's this section about wives submitting to their husbands. But it goes on and says, in the same way, men forget this passage. I'll get a lot of amens from the women. But in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. That's kind of convicting. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, I heard male voices. First service, it was all, amen. <laughs> there were no men, no, no amens, amen mans. Asking our father. Okay, here we go on to this next section where Jesus says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people, now he is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. Remember last week we said, judge not and you will not be judged. Jesus is getting all judgmental, isn't he? Isn't Jesus getting judgmental here? But yet, he's just, he's just telling it like it is. It's a right judgment. We are evil. We are sinful, which means that if you've ever sinned one single time, you are sinful. Most of us do it ongoingly, unfortunately. And that's what Jesus is saying here. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? I remember one time one of my kids was a toddler and I served them water for their lunch and he kind of looked at it and I asked him if he'd pray and see, so he went, thank you Jesus for the apple juice. <laughs> he was trying to manipulate me. Sometimes we do that with the Lord too, you know, it's like a prayer of faith. So the Bible talks about these four types of love, and the main one that we're going to focus on is the parental love. That's, that's this kind of love that God's talking about. But there is agape, which is an unconditional love. There is eros, which is romantic love. There's philios, which is friendship or uh, fellowship with other believers. And then the last one, which they always leave out, is storge or storge. The, both pronunciations are correct, I guess. The thing about God for most of us is that we have daddy issues. Most of us have daddy issues. And I know that I say this a lot, but don't ever insult God by comparing him to your earthly dad. 
but even your earthly dad, for some of you. I mean, some of them just abandoned, some of them may have died, some of them may have been abusive. But, it's, but Jesus is saying that, that even evil parents know how to take care of their children. But it's saying, how much more does your heavenly Father want to give you good things? Jesus is saying, please come into my presence. Please ask and seek and knock because I want to give you good things. I don't want to give you bad things. Some versions of this say that if a child asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Stones in those days looked like, the bread looked like like big stones. And the the fish looked like these serpent. The, the actual word is serpent. It's like a type of an eel. Even a even a good, or I mean, a, an evil parent wouldn't mess with their kids. Or kid comes in and asks for food, and they just give them some, you know, horrible thing like that. I mean, think about it. Even mafiosos, they love their kids. You know, like, oh, that's my boy. You know, and they give him a kiss and or two kisses. You know, even evil parents, they side with their children, even when their children are wrong. You know? And, and that is why we have to understand God is so unlike our earthly fathers. We can never compare. The love of the Father makes our love like hatred for our children by comparison. His love for us is overwhelming, beyond our comprehension, unfathomable. And the Lord, unfortunately, it, it, it uses the word everyone who asks, but that, this is really only talking about his children. The Lord does not hear the prayers of the wicked, of those who are unrepentant and, and say, I don't want anything to do with you, God. It says in the Bible, God does not hear their prayers. But it does say in John 3, 1, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. If you don't know him as your daddy, that he is good and that he longs to give good things to you, Jesus wants to bring a deliverance to you today. I believe that God wants to bring a transformation. Could you stand up today as we pray? And then we're going to have a baptism. So let's just close our eyes. And for those of you, if you, if you are having a hard time separating God from your earthly dad, can you just raise your hand? I just want to pray a prayer for you. Lord, I just pray for these who have their hands up. Lord, thank you for their honesty. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would give them a revelation of your love for them, of your manifest presence. God, of the, the transcendent presence, Lord, that we can, be, we can be delivered and set free in a minute. Father, I just pray for a spirit of deliverance and breakthrough here today, Lord. I ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you would bring healing. And for those of you who are feeling, you just want to go deeper in your prayer life. You just want to know him more. Can you just slip up your hand as a symbol just between you and the Lord? Just say, God, I want to know you more. Lord, I want to, I want to be more, more and more in love with you, Lord. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your will. Lord, bring me to that deeper place.
as I just commit to talking to you, just pouring out my heart to you. Lord, and I do pray, God, that you would, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord, that you would transform our hearts, God. Change us, Lord, in your presence. And finally, for those, if, if there's anyone here and you don't know him, you've never said yes to the Lord, he's never revealed himself to you, or you've never accepted the forgiveness that he's offered to you on the cross. You know, Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to pay the debt. He was willing to pay everything so that you could know him and have a relationship with him. If you're someone and you have never invited him to come into your life, you've never surrendered to him, just want to ask you to just slip your hand up as an indication between you and the Lord. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Well, Lord, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your spirit. And we thank you for this baptism, Lord. We thank you for the outward sign of an inward work. We invite you to do something new in each and every person that is saying yes to you through baptism. And we praise you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.